Hello. Uh, well, absolutely. It's a joy to be here uh, with you. Uh, on behalf of my family, we want to thank you, uh, Pastor Matt, for giving us an opportunity to share. Well, I warn you, I speak seven languages, so English is my fourth language. So sometimes I have to think in the other languages to find the appropriate word to say in English. So if I'm rude, you can throw your iPhone at me. I, but I promise I'll take you to Africa. Well, truly a joy uh, to be here with you. Uh, as, she said, as he said, my name is Peter Mutabazi, and I work for World Vision. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So truly a joy to be here with you. Uh, this is my home. You know, I've been schooled here. I live here. This is my community. Actually, I just became a U.S. citizen two years ago. So, so finally, I can vote. At least, I can vote. You know, but truly a joy. You know, I know you went through Matthew uh, 25 this week. You know, I don't want to, again, to revisit a little bit of what life is for us or for most kids in Honduras and for kids in Uganda. On Monday, you skipped lunch. And you had breakfast, and you had rice and beans. For most kids in Honduras and Uganda, they could not afford a meal. Not every day, but for 365 days, they could afford just one. On Tuesday, you drank water. Most kids in Honduras and Uganda would walk miles and miles to get water. Not one week, but for 365 days every year. On Wednesday, you slept on the floor. For most kids, they've never had a mattress before for most of their lives. And that was me. On Thursday, you went and wore the same clothes you wore the previous day. Most kids or most families in Uganda and Honduras do not have clothes to change. And that was me as a little boy in Uganda, as you get to hear about my story. On Friday, you reached out to someone who's in need and you wanted to help. And today, you're reaching out to the kids in Honduras to say, how can we help? How can we be there for you? And on Saturday, you prayed. And this week, I know you're praying for kids in Honduras. Even for me, coming to the United States, it wasn't easy. I struggled with two things coming to the United States. One was seeing how much food was thrown away when I came here. And I wanted to ask God, do you love us the same way? That others can have so much to throw away and others could die for a lack of just a bowl of beans. As you get to hear my story, you see why. The other I struggled was homes. I would visit people's homes and there would be extra bedrooms that are empty. And I would say, why are they empty? The average house in my village is as big as your garage. And usually it will have families between six to 15 members of the family that live in that space. And I thought, why? But also, I was convicted coming to the United States that of all millions of kids in Uganda that I was chosen, that I was given opportunity to come and live and work here. So I struggled. But as I read through God's word, Luke 12, 48, really stuck to me. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And I knew I had been given so much. And I wanted to do something. And I wanted to be accountable for what the Lord had given me. So this is what I did. Well, I walked in the foster care system and I said, Hey, can I be a mentor to kids? Because I wanted 
to help kids. I wanted to have a room where I can help someone. And the social worker said, hey, have you ever thought of being a foster dad? And I said, no, I don't qualify. She said, why? I said, I'm single. And she said, no, you can be a foster dad. Well, that day I signed up to be a foster dad. <clears throat> and since then, I've had 24 kids. But today, I would like to share with you a little of my six that I have today that I love so much that they have taught me what a father ought to be every day. So picture one is my family. As you can see, that's my kids. And I thought, why have kids? Why not add dogs? So we added two dogs too, you know, Rafiki and Simba. Next picture. That's my little six-year-old. He's wonderful. Every time I put him to bed, he always says, Dad, I'm glad you got to put me in bed. But really what he's saying, he's saying, I'm glad. I was worried I don't have someone too, but I'm glad you're here every night to put me to bed. Next picture. My seven-year-old little girl. I've had boys most of the time, but this time I have a girl. And once she walked in, I lost all my power right there and then. <laughs> lost it. She works on my hair every day. I have no single hair, but she works on it. She paints my nails. She does everything she could to spend time with Dad. And every time I pick her from school, she will always say, Dad, I'm glad you came to pick me up. But what she's saying, I was worried you will not come back. That you came to pick me up. I am joyful. Next. This is my 18-year-old. 16 months ago, I got a phone call from Social Rock. said, hey, can you take this kid for 12 month because he's about to age out but i had 12 days i said i can do 12 days They're like no 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 12 months and i said well i've already said yes now i can take him in so i took him in and he came to my home after four weeks he said peter i have something special i want to share with you and when a foster kid tells you special you always know what did he do this time but he said i've been in more than 12 homes and no one has ever wanted me they want me for the first week and a few weeks later, they say, we don't want you anymore. I've been here for four weeks. Would you consider being my dad? And of course, I said yes. So he's my 18-year-old little boy. But I'm going through the adoption to love on him. I think about 12 homes. And everyone says, you're not worthy enough to stay around. Next picture. This is my 16-year-old. As a foster dad, I was taught how to be a parent, but I was never taught how to say goodbye. That's one thing they never told me, and sometimes it can be really hard. And so my number 10 and 11 had gone home, and I told the social worker, I cannot do this anymore. At least I need three months break. Three months. This is on Monday. On Friday, I get a phone call. As you know, there's so much need. And they said, could you take in this little boy? He's at the hospital. Would you take him in? And I said, no. She insisted. I said, okay. You can bring him, but don't tell me what happened to him because I don't want to get attached. And I want to make sure on Monday he goes wherever you want him to go. And so they come in at 3 in the morning. And he walks in. And I tell him, my name is Peter Mutabaz, but you can just call me Mr. Peter. And he looked at me and said, hey, but can I call you my dad? 20 minutes. And I said, no way. No, you cannot call me dad. Because I said, you're here for a short time. You gotta go. There's no need to call me dad. But he insisted. He said, since I'm 12, I was told 
I can choose who my father should be. So I'm choosing you to be my dad. I still said no. But they finally came to pick him up on Monday. After I signed the paperwork, I wanted to know why. Why was he left at the hospital? This is what I was told. At one year and a half, he was put in the system. He was put to a family that adopted him at four. At four, they adopted him. At 11, they just dropped him in the hospital. And they never said goodbye and never told him the reason why. They did not want him anymore. And as I listened, I knew this kid had already called me dad. And I told the social worker, I think he already knows I'm his dad. I'll take him and make sure that he goes to school. So two years ago, I finally I got to adapt to Anthony Mutabazi. Yeah. Most people say I, you know, uh, I chose him. No, I, he chose me to be his dad, and forever I'll be grateful. But here's what I want to share with you. As you listen to me as a foster dad, you might sit there and say, how does a guy from Africa force 24 kids in the process of adapting the three that has already adapted one? Like, how do you do it? And the journey that I'm about to take with you, the story I'm about to share with you, I want you to think of the kids in Honduras today. The kids who are just like me as you get to hear my story. As a little boy, I grew up in a home where life was miserable in every shape form you could think of. Grew up in a place where no one told me to dream. Grew up in a place where no one told me that there was a future for me as a little boy. Just like so many kids in Honduras today. Nobody told me to dream or to be hopeful at all. Grew up in a home where poverty could have likely taken my life. I grew up in a home where I had beans and potatoes, and we could not afford two. We could have beans today and have beans or potatoes the next day. I had chicken on Christmas and I had beef on Easter. Those are only two days in my life that had a different meal. So you tell me, if a mom can't feed you and one night, how does she tell you to dream? How does she? So are the kids in Honduras. I grew up in a place where I had one pair of clothes for Monday to Saturday, and then one pair of clothes for Sunday. Grew up in a place where I had to go fetch water two to three miles away every day. As kids in Honduras today, as a kid, you go four-hour walk, four-hour back. Do you ever have a time to be a kid or even to go to school? No. I could not go to school because my parents could not afford $5 a semester for me to go to school. So are the kids in Honduras today. At the age of four, I began to realize not only were poor, but my dad was the most abusive man you could think of. So you have poverty here. And then you have a mean dad on the other side. So for me, had you told me to dream about tomorrow, I would say I would rather end my life today than see it again, repeat the same I'm seeing today. At the age of 10, I decided to not let my dad take my life because I knew he would. And I ran to the bus station and I asked the lady, hey, which bus goes the farthest? How far can I run from abuse from home and poverty? And it wasn't like I was looking for a place to be that was better. I felt like at least be abused by strangers because they are not my parents anyway. And I got on that bus and I went 500 miles away. And I had never been 20 miles away from my village. And I went 500. And I ended up in Kampala. And I had one option. That one option was to be a street kid. 
I had grown up from a home where I was told every day I was garbage, I would never mount to anything. I wish you were never born. That's what I had from my dad every day. And not only did he come towards me, but he came to my mom as well. So the one mom that should protect you could not because she faced the same abuse I had too. That I would never mount to anything. On the streets of Kampala, the same words. I was treated more like a stray animal as a little boy. And that became my life. As street kids in Kampala, we don't beg for money because most people don't make a dollar a day. But we work so hard. And it was easy to steal while you're helping. So one day I saw my target. I was like, that man is wearing khaki. He's wearing glasses. He's speaking English. He's my target. I'm going to get my food. Either he wants or he does not want it. And so I followed him. Before I could take food from him, he said, stop. He said, what is your name? And I said, my name is Peter. He's why that touched me. I lived in the streets for four and a half years. No human being had ever asked me what my name was. But he wanted to know what my name was. And this is a little bit emotional in a joyful way. Because for the kids in Honduras today, someone is going to know their name. As your church says, we want to know the kids in Honduras. Sometimes we'll feel nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows what they go through. Nobody has told them there's a future and a little glimpse of hope for you. But this week, they get to know that through your church. That's what he did for me. And before he could let me go, he gave me something to eat. And he left. The next week, he came back. The fourth week, I kind of knew what he buys, when he comes, where he parks his car, what he dresses like. So I was assured of a meal once a week that I did not have to steal, that this stranger who knew my name would give me something to eat. And so he did for one year and a half. And one day he said, Peter, if you had an opportunity to go to school, would you love to go to school? Think about a kid on the streets of Kampala who's been told every day, you're garbage, you'll never amount to anything. Treat it more like a, literally like an animal. Would you like to go to school? It's like me asking you, anyone here, anyone wants to go to the moon? Anyone? Well, you're laughing. Why? Because it's far-fetched. No one goes to bed thinking, I wish I could go to the moon. As a street kid who lived under the bridge with animals in the garbage, to go to school, that's how it felt like, like I was going to the moon. But because I was treated also less of a human being, I thought, it's humans that go to school. Me? I am less of that. And I believed it. That's what I smelled like. That's what I looked like. Everything around me was hopelessness. As some of the kids in Honduras today. And I said yes to go to school. And I said yes to go to school. Not because I wanted to dream. Not because I wanted to be a teacher. There was no one educated in my family that I wanted to be. I said yes. Not because I was smart. I was always told I will never amount to anything. I said yes. Not because I was worthy of school. I said yes for one reason. For the first time in my life, someone saw me as a human being. Someone saw me as a little boy. Not only was a thief, but he had a potential in life. That's why he wanted to take me to school. 
And I know for the kids in Honduras today, they dreamt, they woke up for the last weeks wondering, would I go to school? Would I make it through life? Will I have a glimpse of hope? And as he drove me to school, I asked him, why me? There were more than a thousand kids on the streets. Why me? And this is what he said. He said, because I wanted to be faithful. I want to be faithful. I didn't understand that. But it's now that I understand that he wanted to be faithful to his God. To help this little boy who he didn't know, never seen before, spoke a different language. But somehow saw potential that nobody saw in him that he wanted to give. And so he took me to school. Before he could take me to school, he said, well, there'll be food. That's all I had. Food? True, I'll go. And in the process of waiting for the next meal, I waited for the next meal. And the next meal, I waited for the next meal. And then I figured, I need to go to school in order to keep eating this food. And then along the way, I found out that I was smart. That people invested in me to have the best I could have. But here's the cool thing that he did. Because he was faithful, I was able to stay in school. Not only stay in school, but I went to university in Uganda. I went to university in England. And that's how I came to the United States. Through the kindness of a stranger who did not know me, but yet helped me to go to school. Not only did he help me, but he helped my entire family. Because I went to school, I was able to help my siblings go to school. I could not take them away from the abuse, but I knew I can give them one thing, education. And they have all gone through university, not because they are smart, but through the kindness of one stranger, he set a standard for them. If Peter can do it, we can do it as well. And that's what we're about to do for kids in Honduras. Because he was faithful, I was able also to know Christ my Lord Savior and my entire family. He didn't tell me. He just lived it every day, and I saw it. And my entire family as well. My mom became a believer. Not because I went back and said, here's the gospel. No, before I was like, how can a stranger love my child as theirs? Why would he do so? And that's what is about to happen for kids in Honduras, their moms and uncles and grandparents. Why would a stranger in Northern California want to love my kid? The other part he helped me. He helped me learn how to forgive my dad and forgive others. He told me the life of Joseph. Remember Joseph when he found his brothers, what they said? What do you mean for evil? God used it for good to save lives. And that's what my mission is. To truly be an advocate for kids all over the world. And the best thing he's given me to be the dad I can be. I'm a dad today. Not because I'm a good dad. No. I'm a dad because he taught me what our father ought to be. To kids who have trauma. To kids who most of them are unwanted. But as a single dad, I can be the best dad I can be. Not because I knew how. Because he walked and showed me how. And that's what you're about to show to the families and the kids in Honduras. And it's truly been a joy. Me and Anthony, we sponsor 14 children. Me and my kids. For every kid I get, I sponsor one kid. Anthony sponsors one little boy that he loves so much. Every time he gets the letter, he's like, Dad, I got a letter from my little boy. But to see, once a, a street kid, a dad to a street, a foster dad, to a foster child who is making a difference to other kids. Isn't that unique that God can use someone from the streets of Kampala to be a dad who gets to foster but also sponsor other kids? 
with his $39, he's able to truly change the lives of children, not just the children, the community that they get to provide sanitation, education, health care, and sometimes microfinance through my son's giving. So we know broken circumstances are being healed in Honduras. We know you're going to dignify and give opportunity for a child to feel they matter, that they are special. And that's why I'm here today, to speak on behalf of the kids in Honduras. My son, Anthony, and my all other kids, we get to sponsor kids. And that's why we're here today, to call you. Would you do the same? Would you help us sponsor the kids, help the kids in Honduras? One, have dignity to know that they are mother, but to give them the glimpse of hope that sometimes they don't get to see. Three years ago, World Vision chose or decided to do it different. They prayed to God to give them another way on how to reach out to the most vulnerable. You know, I know some of you have been at a concert where you get sponsored child. You go in the lobby, you pick up a child, you say, I like a girl, birthday. But World Vision thought through, but what if we could reverse the whole thing? What if the opportunity to choose was given to the hands of a child? What if they're the ones who can say, I want you be my sponsor? That we give them, we empower the children to be the one to choose. What if the kids of Honduras could be the one to choose us? Please watch this video.
what you just saw on the screen was something called a chosen event that took place in a region of Honduras recently. And this Wednesday, that process will be repeated in a place called the Sierra Lenca region in Honduras. When kids from a number of small communities in that region will get dressed up in their best clothes and they'll come together and they'll have some food, they'll have some fun, they'll play games, and then they will choose the sponsor. And when that happens this coming Wednesday, the faces on the strings that the children will be considering will be our faces. At least all of us who are willing to step up and be chosen to sponsor a child. What is sponsorship? It's a means by which the poorest children in the world gain access to clean water, basic education, nutritious food, and through world vision, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Sponsorship not only changes lives, but it alters a trajectory of a community. Imagine what happens when a significant portion of children in a small community are all sponsored. It raises the bar of hope for everybody who lives there. And you actually, Quail Lakes Baptist Church, you are actually already having an impact in that region. Because we have recently sent funds from your water ministry where you put in the recyclable bottles and so forth. We've sent the money down and a, and a, a fresh water well is being dug there already very soon. But now we have the chance to influence those children's lives directly, the children who will be able to benefit from that well. Now, here's what I want you to see. It's great to be chosen, but it's wonderful to have a choice. Did you see the faces of those kids as they, as they came into that room? When I was watching their faces and what I saw was wonder, I saw hope. I saw kids able to make a choice who usually have no choice. For the first time, they're making a choice that will change their future for the better. There is so much going on in our world that breaks our hearts. And for most of what we see, we can't do anything about it other than pray and do pray. But realize we can't fix Ukraine. We can't fix inflation. But today, by saying yes to be chosen to sponsor, we can change the lives of these kids. Sylvia and I have already done it because we want to be part of the radical change, not only for these children, but for their communities. What does it cost? It costs $39 a month. Now, for some of us, that might sound like a lot. For some of us, not much at all. But for $39 a month, we sponsor a child in the Sierra Lenca region, and that child and that region will never be the same. And I say, let's change the world today. Let's change these children's world. Let's sponsor these kids. I have a request for you as you consider it. And I'm serious when I say this. When you say yes to sponsoring a child, please don't carve your sponsorship out of your tithe to the church. That would simply be shifting the costs of the sponsorship to the church budget and you not doing any more than you're already doing. 
but rather do this. Make it an extra gift to a child who chooses you over and above. It may call for a little sacrifice. Maybe sacrificing a dinner out every month, that, that would cover the cost, or cutting out Starbucks or whatever it is, but make it a true gift and you can change children's lives. How do you do it? You do it with your cell phone. Go ahead and take out your cell phone. This is how you do it. I'll show you how to do it. You, you, you never see me with a cell phone in my hand before, have you? In the sanctuary, no less, but here we are. But what you do is you go to the text, go to where you, you send messages on your text, and you send a, a, a text on your cell phone uh, where, on, on the top of the, of the cell phone to where you're sending it to, the number two, you put 56170. The insert in your bulletin uh, gives you information on this. And then in text message itself, you simply put in QLBC and you hit send. What will come back to you, I did this this morning already, what will come back to you is just a form to fill out uh, with your information. And as you fill out that form, uh, you can, you'll say done and you're in and uh, you'll be uh, sponsoring a child at that moment. Those of you who are watching at home on the internet, this is how you can get involved. Take out your cell phones, uh, sell, uh, send the text message to 56170 and QLBC is the message. And as you do that, then, uh, what we'd ask you to do is to recognize that that, that $39 is going to radically change a, a child's life. Uh, now, for, for those of us who are here on campus, what we'd like you to do uh, after you do that, if you register in that way, is to go out into the courtyard. You'll see that we have set up uh, camera booths and get your picture taken. Those pictures will be sent to Honduras electronically, and this Wednesday night, uh, you will be chosen just like you saw on that video. Uh, you can, you'll imagine the kids walking into the room, and they will be choosing your picture. And then, the best part is next Sunday, when you come back, we will reveal to you the child or children that have chosen you to be their sponsor. So make sure you come back next week because we want that, 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 that to take place. But imagine what will happen as we partner with a community of people and Quail Lakes Baptist Church chooses to make a difference through sponsorship. Now, maybe you're saying, oh, I'd like to have some time to think about this. I'm not ready to make the choice right now. And, or those of you who are at home watching, you're going to talk about it with your family. Uh, that text message option will be live and able to be used until 9 p.m. tonight. So give it some prayer. Give it some thought. But if you're here and you know you're saying yes, go ahead and text uh, to that number and then go out into the courtyard and get your picture taken. If you're going to sponsor as a family or as a couple, get the picture taken all together. And I know you'll be excited to do that. Allow yourself to be chosen and you will be a blessing and change the trajectory of a life today. Peter's going to come up now and give us some uh, final words and then share the benediction with us. Peter. Uh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> these kids and their moms and their grandparents have been waiting for a year. And there's more than a thousand kids in this village or in this small town community that have been wanting to be chosen. So they're anxious. They're really looking forward on Wednesday to choose you. So uh, it is urgent and they need us as much as we could. 
Just like that man, he did wait. He fed me and he changed my life forever. And you're about to change the life of a child in Honduras. So on behalf of my family and World Vision, we want to say thank you, Pastor, for giving us an opportunity uh, to say that we matter. Okay, so I'm going to pray, but I'm going to pray in my language. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to pray in my uh, language that I speak really well. Uh, what do we stand for the benediction? Katonda wafei, tuksimanyo, gwa kuil university, kuil baptist church. Tuksaba, ate tuksimanyo, bio tuwate. Tuksaba nyon, tuvere nava, ntuwafei, udunako. Obere na bolu lero encha ngabayambo abana abehandurasi. May the Lord be with you and may He guide you throughout the day. Amen. Amen. Let's give Peter a hand. Thank you for sharing, brother. You have some time now to go out into the courtyard. You'll see a lot of people with these yellow, I mean, these orange shirts out there to help you. Maybe you don't have your cell phone with you. We have people with iPads. They'll register for you, okay? So thank you for coming. Make your way out into the courtyard, and let's be a blessing.